Today is Friday, September 22nd, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. So today we have got a special guest for you, uh, Connie Frisbee from the Jesus Revolution, who is married to Lonnie Frisbee. So she, uh, I believe her maiden name's Brimmer. Anyway, Connie Brimmer, Connie Frisbee, as you'll know her. Um, she's our special guest. She talks about the, the secret side of the Jesus Revolution, the part they don't want you to hear how her problems with the movie that came out, how like 90% of it is all lies, uh, how it's not based in truth, and that's unfortunate for the kingdom message of the gospel and of Jesus and what really happened. So we get into the to the darker side of it. She tells us all the gory details, um, and we get her take on that and some other things. So we've known her in the Ask a Christian community for a while, and it's always a pleasure when she drops by. So this time she gets right into it, and we talk about the Jesus Revolution, the told and untold. Uh, so it is it is passionate, power-packed, and emotional, and uh, check it out, and I hope you enjoy this. We also talked to her about some other stuff, so this is, uh, this is the one you've been waiting for. If you've seen the Jesus Revolution movie or have not, um, consider this if you're in pursuit of the truth. Anyway, check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon, check out the Ask a Christian store, grab a t-shirt, support the podcast, having civil discussions about Christianity, and sharing the gospel with people who really need Jesus. Um, share these links, and have an awesome weekend. We've got Connie here, who's presumably going to say something much more spiritual than anything you guys are saying. What's up, Connie? <laughs> well, my heart's kind of beating fast because I Oh no! Oh, it's choppy, Connie. Oh, it just oh, got he's very, very choppy. Oh he's no! Beating fast because what? Wait, try hey, again. Mike. Hey, Michael, were you a Calvinist before you wait, lost your? Walter, wait, Connie, try again. I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Is this yes. better? Yes. Um, I I've been down for so long. I have to get a new. Um, router and i don't like to buy cheap stuff and i so i have to save up a little bit of money to get to replace it so that my old router is only working half at half whatever anyway i do have something to say nate i've had some interesting things happen since the last time i saw you um somebody that my husband lonnie and i led to the lord years and years ago wrote a book and then made a movie and they put me in it without ever even asking or telling me that such a thing was going to happen. And it caused all kinds of crazy things to go on in my heart and my mind. And, and it's been a whirlwind. But the thing that's coming out of it that is the most shocking to me is that um, I actually was on a Zoom call with Lionsgate and one of the... Um, and one of the uh, producers, writers from Kingdom Stories Company, because of being so upset, because when it first hit, I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't stop crying because we led this person, this young man, to the Lord. He was in our house. I fed him. We loved him. And then when we left Calvary Chapel, we gave him a 300 people Bible study in Riverside that's now one of the largest churches in the United States. And when somebody um, from long ago found out how, how upset I was, um, they tried to get in touch with Greg Laurie, and, um, and nobody would answer. They have 11 pastors in that church. And when somebody finally did contact him, he said, oh, oh, I thought Connie was dead. <laughs> Yet he lives. And um, 
And the thing that was the most, and I hadn't even seen the movie yet, but when I saw the Jesus Revolution, yes, yeah. yes, they've got Lonnie as a sixty-year-old man, and he was eighteen and nineteen. They've got me as I think I'm. I, I look like I'm in the movie about five seven, maybe five eight, with dark curly hair, short. It's it was so weird, but I don't even care about any of that. But the fact that 90% of the movie is a lie. And um, when I was on that, um, when I was on that Zoom call with the guy from Lionsgate and Kingdom Stories Company, I could I could hardly stop crying while I was on this call, by the way. And um, the guy from Kingdom Stories um, said that they were hoping that this movie was going to cause another Jesus movement or Jesus revolution or whatever. And my left hand, as though it wasn't even my own, I'm not kidding you, it flew up like Tonto saying how to the Lone Ranger. It just had it like a mind of its own. It went whoop, and out of my mouth came, well, that's not going to happen. And so the Zoom call went around in a circle and came back to me, and the kingdom guy asked again, well, why don't you think so? I mean. Connie and I said too much yeast and then more talking and it came back around again and he says well what do you think yeast is and I says well I don't I think the root of all yeast is lies and um so I don't think it's going to cause a revolution but here's the thing that is the craziest Nate and maybe we could talk about this why is the body of Christ okay with lying and spreading lies holy God Almighty, don't they know this is how it all started? That to mix truth with a lie is fornicating with God himself? I am so overwhelmed by it, I can't even tell you. It has t totally taken my breath away. And, and this, it goes on and on. People are saying to me, oh, don't worry, Connie. God uses, God's going to use it. And this woman who has this ma Christian magazine um, contacted me, and I said, look here, stop talking to me like I'm a complete blithering idiot. Obviously, I know that God uses everything. Ha <laughs> ha, he used me, <laughs> you know, but I do know this. God prefers pure, unadulterated truth, and there is going to be no move of God built on a bunch of lies. So anyway... Um, that's what I wanted to talk about. And I, the Lord has addressed lies with me. And the end result was, this is what he gave me. The more lies you tell, the more lies you believe. The more lies you believe, the further from reality you get. The further from reality you get, the crazy you, crazier you are. So the Lord was teaching me. That, I mean, he gave that to me as we were hanging out together um, talking about lies because he was addressing the lies that I was telling. And he was telling me, you're, you're really not lying much, Connie. Why don't you just let go of that? You know, get up a little bit earlier, make it to your appointment, and then you don't have to tell people that the phone rang or the sun was in your eyes or the mitt didn't fit, you know, and just because you're not really lying about much, but why? It's affecting your eyesight and your ability to hear me. So, um, it's a cautionary tale here going on, but, um, what do you so think? You, 
Well, I, I, you know, it's funny. I was actually talking to someone like last week about this, and someone brought up the Jesus Revolution, and I said, I know someone, you, who, you know, experienced this firsthand, and you had a lot of, of problems saying that they, they did a lot of the stuff wrong. Um, I haven't seen the movie yet. I don't know if I will. Um, I just haven't seen it yet. But have, have you watched the whole movie? And what were, like, I can, I can imagine. I, I can imagine what you're going to say, but what okay. are the biggest... Yeah, so my first question is, have you actually seen the movie? And the second question is, what are the biggest lies with the movie? Like, what's the biggest things wrong? Well, um, everything that Greg Laurie says that he did and Chuck Smith did, actually Lonnie did. And they wrote him and I out of the story, by the way. So I was really shocked to wind up in the story again. So am I in the story or am I out of the story? And not only did Calvary Chapel write us out of the story, but but the Vineyard wrote Lonnie out of that story too, um, calling him the young man. So, um, Real the, quick, Connie, just I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Did you did Lionsgate have you sign any kind of NDA or a no? They legal? evidently they don't need they don't need that to happen. We were all confused about that. My stepdaughter was confused about it, and she's a pretty smart girl, but. Um, finding out from them uh, on that Zoom call. If you are not the main character, they can pretty much cast you any way they want, give you any words they want, um, as long as they don't, um, I don't know, what's the word, demean you or slander you or, you know. Yeah, so, but wait, just real quick, did they have you sign any paperwork saying that you wouldn't say anything bad about the movie or you wouldn't talk about what really happened? You never no, said anything told him. like that. I told you? him on the Zoom call. I okay. said, I told him on the Zoom call, and they sent me the link to watch it. And both of these guys, by the way, I'm speaking of, were both born-again, God-believing Christians. See how shocked I am? They're okay with it being not true. What is it? with the body of Christ, that they're okay with lying. I don't, I mean, honest to gosh, there's going to be a shaking up of the wheat and the tares because this is absurd. And it's not, I don't care. It's the Lord God Almighty uh, that care about the truth. He calls himself truth. Why would he want to fornicate himself and say it's okay? It's not okay. But anyway, um, well, Connie, my, my question is, because I remember before, I, I think before this Jesus Revolution movie, like what, like a year ago when we talked um, about the whole, uh, about your whole experience, um, I, I thought your biggest problem then was not, um, like now you're talking about how they like wrote people out of the story and like are, are lying about um, stuff like that. But wasn't your biggest problem like way, way long ago when we talked to you before, how it was like, they were like just like messing up everything, like saying like, um, how do I say it? Not not like writing people out of story and who did what, but it was like they were like lying about the gospel. Like, for example, they were saying like some people were super good, like stars for Christ when they were actually like, you know, doing like bad, bad stuff that was anti-Christian. And like that was your biggest problem. Do you I, remember what I'm I talking about? I, I don't know, brother. I, 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 I don't remember. Um, I don't remember that exactly. Um the, um, I thought. Oh, I, I thought you were trying to. I thought you were saying like they were trying to make it look like everything was nice and good when there were like a well, lot of there was a lot of like nefarious, yeah, 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 yeah. You're you're right, Nate. And this only just completely uh, underscores what I was saying before. Um, 
what I, one of the things that I've discovered with this is that, and I may be, you know, maybe I'm really slow, duh, but um, everything has become monetized. Even the body of Christ monetizes the one that's holding the microphone in front of the church. There are people sitting in the body of Christ that are pregnant with things that God has given them, insights, songs, poems, all kinds of things. But I see the church of God literally laying across their legs so they can't birth what God's given them because we're so far removed. We've got one guy at the head. And if you've got a uh, I'm the pastor of the church or I'm in the I'm in the music ministry. Well, and then the rest of us are scrubbing toilets, um, which was what my job was actually before. And um, that's my first question to most pastors I meet that say they're serving God as I ask them, well, how many toilets have you cleaned today? <laughs> but um, yeah, it's they've everything has been monetized and I see a big shakeup coming. And um, one of the shakeups that I see coming is I saw a documentary recently, Nate. It was about artificial intelligence and robotic drones. And let's just skip to the end of the movie, the end of the documentary, where this man is talking. He said he came out of the military and his expertise is programming. And he said that he was at that time of the documentary as today we ha have one person can man one drone but he's working on a program where one man will will man five drones and while he was saying that the holy spirit was giving me a picture in my mind now this is not a vision a picture in my mind's eye of one man in control of a half a million drones because he was showing the flocks of birds in the air how they're autonomous, yet they don't run into one another. You've seen it on nature programs or you've probably even seen it in person where a flock of birds will do this wonderful acrobatic scene and not as though they're one-minded, but they all move together or a school of fish in the ocean all together, yet uh, a predator comes and they separate and come back together. And it's it's kind of mysteriously wonderful to watch. Well, that's what's coming our way with drones. Um, and the Lord told me this. So everybody pay attention because I'm nobody, but this is from God. He wants his people to tune their ears to hear him. And you don't get that by spending time studying the Bible, and you don't get that by having one-sided prayers. You get that by hanging out with, with the Holy Spirit every day, asking Him everything, talking to Him about everything, making Him a part of everything. We, He wants us to be like those birds in the air, completely autonomous, but if we tune our ears to the Holy Spirit, we will move whether it's Steph on the other side of the United States or me over here, we will be moving in coordination with the Holy Spirit because without hearing the Holy Spirit, there is no way to stay safe in the next few. Well, this guy said in two years, he'll, they'll, in less than two years, they'll have one person manning five drones. And then in my, the mind's eye picture that I saw was that half a million drones 
coming into the form of a man's body and stepping from one continent to another, if you don't think that that might not bring shock and awe. But we are headed fast into a direction because that we have so much intelligence now, untapped intelligence, that once AI comes on and that whoever gets there first, it's a race. There's a race in China. There's a race in this country. There's a race in Russia and other players around the world to get to that place where they can capture all this information. When I first started out, I, I read a book called um, Future Shock. It was not by a man who was a Christian. He just had foresight. And um, he said from the time of written history until I was reading that book, that information had doubled. Well, if you go on the internet right now, the last time I checked, it was doubling every 30 days. It's probably into the hours by now. But we can't capture, the world can't use that information until this artificial intelligence is able to sort it. And and so these things that are coming our way, the, the Lord doesn't want us to be fearful. And the only way not to be fearful is to be able to hear the Holy Spirit and do what the Holy Spirit says. Now, I'm not going to go back and say we um, did things right or well. But one thing that was happening in the, in the move of God back then in the 60s and the 70s was that he gave us this ability that we didn't have to practice hard at to hear him speak. And if he said, pull the car over, Lonnie wouldn't say, I got to pull the car over. He would pull the car over, get out of the car. We'd all be sitting in the car watching him walk down the street and turn left. We couldn't see him come back with somebody else, introduce him. This is a kid I knew from kindergarten, and he just accepted the Lord. This is how it went. I'm telling you, it was out of our control. It was... You know, I know Chris has had some problems earlier. I hope you know, Chris, it was a bloody battle, brother. This, when God moves, Satan shows up and he is coming on full force now because look at all the lies we're having to sort through. And that's his weapon. So don't participate because his favorite tool is to use the body of Christ to destroy the body of Christ. And we have to really watch what we say about one another and how we treat one another and make sure that we're doing doing what Jesus would do. Um, anyway, that's all I have to say. But it's been a heck of a ride, you guys. Um, it's still, I think this movie is still revealing certain things that have been kind of under the surface. You know, but you kind of had a feeling about some things, but now it's just coming out in real stark relief. Anyway, I'm done with that. Well, that was a lot to digest. Yeah, I'm trying to go over and remember the previous conversations we've had. But, I mean, maybe I will have to see that movie now. <laughs> um. Well, 90% of it's not true. But it's made it all very pablumy. It's very, um, very digestible, very sweet. And it wasn't like that. One of the one of the four original couples. Can you imagine being thirty years old, having two kids, having your trajectory in life already going, and you're making good money, and um, and all of a sudden you get miraculously saved. You and three other couples six people 
They read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read the book of Acts and went, oh, okay, that's what we're supposed to do. Sold everything that they had, like the, like the, the Lord <laughs> told the young rich man, sold everything that they had and moved in together and started walking the streets of San Francisco in Haight-Ashbury, where all these kids from all over the United States were flocking and would bring as many of them home as could fit in the two vehicles that they had and or a storefront mission that a, a church down the street on the Panhandle in Haight-Ashbury was providing for an outreach center and um, or dropped in and got the gospel there. And then, the, and then at the end of the that uh, what looked like a satanic move, which it was, how God came in and all those kids went home with the with the gospel, <laughs> with the gospel, and the, and that began that uh, move of God that we're talking about. And I was a recipient of those people's. Uh, I got saved before I got there, though miraculously, but I was finally off the street and in, in, in a safe, godly place for the first time in my life. So I benefited and Lonnie also was gaffed up off the street in San Francisco. So th there's half of those people are still alive and a couple of them are starting to write down their memoirs now because of this movie is so outrageously crazily off that somebody's got to leave some documentation of what really happened. And that's what we're kind of working on at the moment. Wow, that's quite a bit. So, and, Connie, and so would you say? Oh, sorry, Nate. Well, I, I was just gonna—I'm trying to clarify again because I—I I can't remember, and I don't want to like you know get something wrong. But when you're writing down your memoirs and stuff, like the biggest dispute you have—is it or is it not? Like, who did what? Like, giving credit where credits due. Like, it wasn't this person who did this. It was really Connie and Lonnie. Or is it no? Like, the message of the message you're putting out is like perverting the gospel of Jesus and you're calling holy what was not holy. And there is like some, some stuff behind the scenes that was not good. And you're trying to like, you know, whitewash it and make it more palatable when there was like some bad stuff going on. And it's not just about fighting over credit. Like who did what? Exactly. It's not about credit over fighting who did what. Um, that's the very minorest part of it. The biggest part of it is that, um, this is what I told the guys. This is what came out of my mouth is that this was a hallelujah um, story, a Greek tragedy and a cautionary tale. And um, I said, if I told you the story and I'm speaking to these men, if I told you the story, I wouldn't look good. Lonnie wouldn't look good. Chuck Smith wouldn't look good. Greg Laurie wouldn't look good. But I'll tell you who would look stellar. God Almighty. And, and from the beginning, everybody that's come to me for pictures or anything I know, Nate, I've given them everything. And, uh, and they've ran off and twisted the story and um, made it something that they wanted it to be. Instead of just, I told this young man, David Sabatino, when he came to do his thesis. And I thought, here's a young man who needs help with his homework. That's how dumb I was. He was doing a thesis to be have for his doctorate, which is actually a published uh, work now. 
Um, I told him, if you make this about somebody, you'll really be off. But if you make this about a God, this is a God story, then you'll really have something. And nobody has made this a God story. And it is a God story. Nobody was prepared for this. Nobody was smart enough for this, good enough for this. <laughs> the fact that God used Lonnie and I, we were as close to illiterate as you could possibly be. Two of the most screwed up people that you could possibly meet. Lonnie was molested as a child for years by a male babysitter. And I was beaten and, and tortured by my mother, raised in a violent family that's hard to even grasp or imagine. And, and, and God was using people that were so weak because he wanted to be the star of this show, and he's not. And that's what ticks me off, and that's what I would like to set straight, is to make the star of the show our God, our almighty God, who came into the darkness and pulled so many souls out for giving us... I hope that this sparks that and it gets settled, that people will realize how powerful, loving, and good, and merciful he is beyond all imagining. So that's the crux of it, Nate. I appreciate that. Chris, you were saying? So, yeah, I mean, so, Connie, would you, would you say that Greg Laurie was being dishonest about I loved Greg Laurie. He was in my house. I served that man. He was a young boy. He, we, we were kids ourselves, 18 and 19 years old. Can you even grasp that? We, there were demon possessed people coming in. I mean, uh, it's hard to believe but it's true. Greg was only a year younger than Lonnie. Lonnie kept going back to his high school and leading kids to the Lord. Greg Laurie lied, and Chuck Smith lied, and um, John Wimber lied. And now all these lies are coming together, and God is going to set it straight because God is the star of the show. I don't get it. Why people of God are okay with lying? It, I can't tell you how many people have told me it's okay. Don't worry about it. Well, um, it's not okay. And um, I, I'm not, the story is the story. All of the wounds. Do you know that Lonnie and I were dumpster diving for food? We worked. Chuck Smith's church was 50 members for 17 years. He was about ready to quit. When, when Lonnie hitchhiking was picked up by Chuck's daughter's boyfriend, which, why wouldn't they leave that the same in the movie? They even lied about that. They lied about everything. Why? It doesn't make a better story. But anyway, it was Chuck Smith's daughter's boyfriend that picked Lonnie up because Kay Smith, not Chuck, Chuck couldn't stand the hippies. Kay Smith had a heart for them, and she wanted to meet one. And so when this young man picked up Lonnie hitchhiking, he said, I have somebody that wants to meet a hippie. And he couldn't believe that Lonnie was a Christian with long hair and a beard and hippie clothes on, that he was a born-again believer. And that's how... Uh, Lonnie and I came about 
four weeks into our marriage from Northern California down to Calvary Chapel. And within two and a half months, there were over 1,500 young people coming to his church. He didn't even have a church building. They were renting a Seventh-day Adventist church for Sundays and we were in home Bible studies on Wednesday um, in different homes. But can you imagine? Lonnie and I didn't have a car the whole time we were in ministry there. We had to rely on other people. They wouldn't even, they never paid us a salary. And this is, at the time, we didn't even think anything was wrong because we were so busy, so overwhelmed with love for God that we were just wanting as many people to hear about Jesus as we could meet. Lonnie took me to the show one day. We walked to the show from the Blue Top Motel. And um, and while we were standing in line, Lonnie led the people standing behind us to Jesus, and then and then led the people in front of us to Jesus. And this is how it went. You have to remember, Billy Graham was the, probably the the most prolific seed sower of I'm going to say all time. And um, but the churches didn't fill up. The churches didn't fill up until until God began the harvest of those seeds. And um, so, um, yes, unfortunately, Greg Laurie, when Greg Laurie first started coming to our commune um, and after he got saved, pretty soon he was dressing like Lonnie and talking like Lonnie. And if you were to go into his church and listen to him preach, he would sound like a combination of Lonnie's voice and Chuck Smith. And... um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Whatever Greg Laurie accomplished with what God gave him, pretty phenomenal. But why do you have to take the things that that you didn't do and attribute them to yourself? That's on the verge of craziness. That's that's nuts. So yeah, they've made it. So if you watch the movie, it's going to be very pablum. The other thing that really irritated me about the movie is that... Um, there were no color lines, and there were no age lines. I found myself sitting at a table talking to a man named Gerhard Dirks, who was a scientist in Palo Alto that um, put that mile-long laser tunnel in Stanford University. That's how crazy it was. It was you were just sitting around people that you would have never met or never had anything to do with. And there was no boundaries of age, whether you were 40 or 50 or 18, 19 and 20. So it was quite a phenomenon, but um, yeah, what can I say? Unfortunately, I don't know why Greg Laurie found it important to lie about those things, but 90% of his story is not true. Chuck Smith never washed anybody's feet. Lonnie did. Lonnie washed people's feet at Calvary Chapel, but Chuck Smith never did. And Lonnie gave uh, Greg Laurie the Bible study of 300 souls in Riverside. And, and, and what Greg Laurie did with it is pretty phenomenal. But Chuck Smith never gave anybody a set of keys to anything. And what I'm trying to say is we never got a salary and we both had to work while working in the harvest fields. I was cleaning house for 50 cents an hour, and Lonnie was painting and selling paintings. And um, uh, and I was dumpster diving, which we did um, to get 
food and we were on food stamps. So we were on assistance and we were dumpster diving. I mean, literally in the garbage cans behind the supermarkets, me, up until the day we left Calvary Chapel. And when we left Calvary Chapel, there were over 10,000 people in his church. Now, um, reconcile that for me. But I wouldn't take a penny. Um, and today, I'm glad that they wrote us out of the story. Lonnie called me one day and he said, Connie, they're going to reissue the book on how Calvary Chapel started. And I said, well, that's great, Lonnie. And he goes, yeah, but I'm calling to tell you that they're going to write you out of it. And I said, perfect. Because <laughs> I'd rather get whatever I got coming from the Heavenly Father later. And then the d- day after, Lonnie called me back and he was, I could tell he was so broken. He said, Connie, they're going to write me out too. And I said, listen, Lonnie. Let's just wait and get what we have coming from the hand of God. Can't you see how perfect it worked out like that? So God's perfection was that we should eat garbage while the church, the religious the religious folks, um, became fat cats with new Mercedes and new houses in Newport Beach. And, um, and, and we didn't even... We didn't even bat an eye. It wasn't until we got older and grew into the understanding. And by the way, we both went for marriage counseling with Chuck Smith and Tommy Coombs and Shelly Coombs of the Love Song Band. I found out from Shelly years later, also went for marriage counseling and was told exactly the same thing. And this is what they told us. We we, We weren't even invited to sit down, open the door. I had previously called Chuck Smith and asked for marriage counseling. And um, when we opened the door and stepped inside, and that's as far as it went, we weren't invited to sit down. Chuck Smith looked at me and he says, what can I do for you, Connie? And I'm kind of stumbling. I'm young. I'm trying to figure out. I called you and said marriage counseling. So I said, well, marriage counseling. And he said, Connie, your marriage is not important right now. The only thing that's important is that people are getting saved. My marriage didn't last but about a year and a half after that because we had never had a break. We worked 24 hours a day, seven days a week, people living on our floor in our spare bedroom at the Blue Top Motel, feeding 70 people after um, that amount of time with not one break or vacation, complete exhaustion. And um, so there's a story to be told. How could somebody who calls them sin, and they they should have never put us in the position we were in, Chris, you know the Word of God. Why would they put us? He should have covered us. He should have mentored us for a while. But to be that young and put in that position, um, it was just a recipe for destruction. But that's not in the story. So um, it's a hell of a story. If it's the truth is told, but what's being fostered is nothing but a bunch of pablum malarkey that's not going to, oh, the Christian uh, people, the bench warmers will lap it up, but it won't change no lives. So, because So, Connie, have you been able to tell your story so that it can be written out? I mean, I, I know you're not a writer, or maybe you are a writer. I don't know. I don't know you that well, but like, has anybody decided to actually tell the story? Well, interestingly enough, I've had um, quite a few um, offers um, from people, but you see, I'm not going to make any money off of this story. So um, 
I've been waiting for God. There's a man that got a hold of me from Florida. I'm in California. And he said, I'll pay for everything. I'll pay for the ghostwriter. I'll pay for all of the um, publicity. I'll pay for, um, I'll even give you um, some royalties, he said. And, uh, and, and he was sincere. I knew he, I knew he was a Christian. He prayed um, before we hung up. But I have not felt like, um, I have, and there's several other people that have contacted me. But um, I will tell the story. I'm, I'm, like I said, Sandy Hefner, who was married to Steve, whose radio name was Steve O'Shea on KFRC. He was the hottest disc jockey in 1965, 66, 67, until he got saved. And then he lost his job because he was talking about Jesus. But, um, I mean, he was... In the Marin crowd, you know, drinking cocktails and 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 uh, interviewing uh, bands, uh, the, the the Doors, the Beatles, you know, the Grateful Dead, <laughs> and gave it all up. And she's writing. She started. She's actually she read me an excerpt, and oh my gosh, it's pretty good. But um, I, I want to, I want to. I've I'm trying to figure out how to do it. I. I, I've gotten a couple of invitations to speak at churches, but all I want to talk to is the young people. And um, I got a chance finally to talk to about 50 uh, young adults uh, from about 16 to 23 years old um, last Sunday. And I've got another a group of kids that I'm going to be speaking to in a town near me, Grass Valley. So I'm... I've already in my heart had a desire for somebody, uh, a, a young Christian, to be to help me ghostwrite it, so that that young Christian can have their name on the book. And I'm trying to figure out um, putting it before the Lord how to use whatever capital comes out of it to um, give to uh, young people who want to do. Um, spread the good news of the gospel, you know, uh, for plain fare or whatever, you know. Um, I, I haven't quite, I have some people that are, we're, we're hashing things out. So, yeah, eventually, I would like I mean, to. It seems like a cautionary tale, right? Like a few things I'm just thinking of, and we all know this, but, you know, it's like for the young people, since you focus on that, it's like, you know, let the truth be known. So it's like, you know, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul. And, you know, you can't have two masters, God or the love of money. So it seems like you're saying <laughs> these, these are the people who are lying and, you know, getting profit from dishonest gain. And it's just like a, a masterclass in what not to do. So it's like, do you really believe this stuff? If so, don't lie. <laughs> like what, what good is like an extra Mercedes or a nice cushy life um, matter at the expense of maybe very well your actual soul. And I'm, I'm just thinking like when you have your story told, like, I don't know if, it, if it's a book or whatever, but I could just like see the documentary, like, you know, the truth behind the Jesus revolution or whatever. Um, those are a couple of thoughts. And I know we know this, but for young people, especially who, who may think, um, and for what, for what, you know, they may have an understanding. It's like, well, you know, I'll just tell a little lie because God will forgive me. And, you know, I'll just have a little premeditated lie. And next thing they know, they're making a whole movie based on lies. Um, so, yeah, maybe either they've lost their faith and are cashing in or maybe they never had it. Or 
I, I don't know. I'm thinking like how many different um I how many different I know Greg Laurie was born again and saved. I know Chuck Smith was saved. This is the part that is so hard to swallow. Well, it's like, that, well, well, whenever, uh, one more thing. Like, I'm, I'm thinking then if that's the case, as best as humans can know, like, you know, what is it? Is it James or, James or Timothy? Whenever it says, you know, if we're led away, it's not God tempting us. It's our own selfish desires. So, I mean, it makes perfect sense biblically when you have the question like, well, why? Well, because we're fallible people, so I mean, you know, their their self interest perhaps got in the way of that. So they are quite literally being the biblical picture of they are being led away by their own temptations, by their own selfish, greedy desires. So I mean, the Bible speaks directly to it. Um, it's unfortunate if that's what happened, but I mean, it's not like the Bible is silent on that. <laughs> no, I I know, and and um, uh, my sin. You know, because I'm going to be talking about uh, people that did good things and did bad things. And I did good things and I did bad things. But, you know, the enemy doesn't go after bench warmers. He has a limited resource. God has unlimited resources. So he, he he's not going to go after people that aren't preaching the gospel or aren't uh, actively ministering for the Lord God Almighty. He doesn't have the resources to do that. So if you are speaking up for God, you can expect him to show up. And he did with a vengeance. And just like um, the yeast of the scribes and the Pharisees, which, by the way, the Lord reminded me the other day that we were so poor when we were working at Calvary Chapel that um, when I found out I could capture the yeast in the air and not have to buy it. Uh, and then the Lord every day you're breathing in yeast every day beware of the yeast of the scribes and the pharisees because it's airborne <clears throat> and um i thought it was pretty cool that he used yeast as the thing to uh, the vehicle to impress that truth on us because it is in the air it's in the air that we breathe and um, unfortunately, uh, somebody told me the other day that all people succumb if they're going to succumb to gold gals or greed. Well, Chuck got overtaken by the money and Lonnie got overtaken by the adulation of the crowd. And when God showed up in a miraculous way to me and told me to jump into the abyss, and this was, this was a vision or a transportation somewhere, but I felt the cliff on my toes. My, that my kitchen went black as as Carlsbad Cavern with the lights off, and I'm not making this up to impress anybody, because this is the sin. And and I and because I was telling the Lord, how am I going to tell this story? Because it's going to poke a few people. And the Lord said, well, your sin was the worst, and He was right because my sin was unbelief. I didn't believe God when he showed up and he told me to jump, that he would catch me. And before he got the sentence out of his mouth, I said, I don't believe you. Because I had been so abused as a child that I couldn't believe that there was a, a God that was that merciful. I, I just was too young in the Lord and shouldn't have been in the, the position we should have been looked after by those who said they knew the word of God, but they weren't living it. and they And they allowed us to be used they used us and they and then when they were done with us they discarded us so yeah it's a heck of a story um uh 
there will be some, but I'm going to put it all out there, all of my, all of the truth that happened to me, because I, I've gone a few times to look for dates or whatever, and I always stumble upon somebody saying something really derogatory about me, and it's, it's, it's like, it's like knife wounds. It's like somebody hacking into you. And I wanted to address somebody that said something in the chat. It is obvious that God can use anything and everything, and he does. I learned early on he's the great ecologer. And yes, he will use this movie, but there will be no mighty move of God coming out of a bunch of lies. But yes, God will use the movie. And I don't begrudge the movie, but um, the movie was made to make money and uh, they didn't even try to be accurate at all because they've got my husband, Lonnie, as a 50-year-old man, and he was 18 and 19. And um, and uh, uh, and everything is just cattywampus and off about it. So it's a, it's a very kumbaya movie, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Hey, Connie, so did you happen to know Keith Green during all that? I don't know why his name sounds so familiar. Can you give me anything else? I mean, he was a real famous um, musician out of the Jesus movement um, in Southern California and Northern California. He was all over California. Um, in the in the sixties and seventies or the eighties? In the in the mid seventies. Well. Um, I'll ask Tommy Coombs because there's they they have actually gotten together uh, the love song the children of the day Maranatha and all those bands that started. Uh, do you know that Lonnie threw put on the first first Christian uh, concert in Long Beach Auditorium? He came home one day and we didn't have money to pay our rent even, and he goes, "I just rented the Long Beach Auditorium." I went, "Oh my gosh!" But um, they would know. He would know. They're putting out a movie on the Jesus mu movement music, and it's coming out um, probably in another six months. But he, I know that name sounds familiar, but he would know. Why? Do you know him? or Do you know him, Chris? Did I lose everybody? Sorry, Connie. I just, I, I was trying, my headphone died and I was trying to put the other one in. I apologize. What was no. the last thing that you said? Oh, Did I, I know said, somebody? Yeah. Do you know him personally? Do you know him or? Well, Keith Green died in a plane crash in 1982. Um, so no, I don't know him personally. Melody Green is his widow and um, his catalog of music is quite famous. And um, I think he was probably the most famous musician to come out of the Jesus movement. Yeah. Connie, I have a question. You said that about, and, and I haven't seen the movie out of respect to you, actually. Oh, honey, go watch it if you want to watch it. I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to watch that trash. I already know it's not true. Why am I going to go watch it, Connie? Yeah, no thanks. Why am I going to give them 10 bucks to go watch their trash movie? Yeah, you know, and my, my church did, and I don't know, I have just not, you know, not seen it. So I have no information about it or what it's It like. was really painful for me to watch, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to watch it. Um, but you said that about half of the people involved that you had friendships with and that were there with you, that they're still around. Are, are a group of you, have a group of you been able to get together and talk about this? Because, well, some of yeah. these people are like 85 now. 
So getting together, we all we all took a trip to Australia back in the um, 2000. And um, I don't think that we'll ever have that kind of a get together again. And we spent a month with some Christians in Australia. But um, uh, I go down to see Steve and Sandy Hefner quite regularly. Um, and uh, and another, Danny Sands uh, lives down in Santa Rosa too, so I can see him and, and uh, his wife. But half the people are dead. Half of the people are de- dead. That's probably another reason. The movie came out and then we went, oh my gosh, we're all dying. We better do something. So... Hey, can I ask a uncomfortable question real quick? I, I was just trying to like look up because I, I didn't actually know if your your last name on your profile is your like real last name. Uh, it is. Anyway, so okay, so I was trying to look it up, and um, I don't know if Google needs some correcting, but I'm just like looking through this stuff, and you know, the first thing that comes up, I'm like, you know, who was Lonnie's wife? And you know, I mean, I, you were married, so it would be, you know, you Frisbee. But I was right. wondering, I guess your maiden name. But it says, you know, was named Connie and it like goes through this stuff and kind of getting to some of the inaccuracies. And again, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't even know if this comes up in the movie or if this is common knowledge. But it's talking about, you know, Charlie Morgan Patton, or I guess that's who plays you. And it goes on to talk about the pastor. And it says, Lonnie and Connie divorced in 1973 after Connie had an adulterous relationship with her pastor. Is that one of the <laughs> things that is, is that one of the things that's just completely false? Or is that in the yeah, movie? Or is that not even in the movie? What? We didn't get divorced in 73, and I didn't have an adulterous affair with my pastor. But I will tell you the truth. Um, I was trying to do everything I could to save my marriage. Please remember how young I was, and please remember I had spent 18 years of my life in a house of horrors. I wasn't exactly mentally equipped, if you know what I mean. You know, um, you're you're uh, you have delayed development when you uh, experience those kinds of horror events as a child, and it wasn't just one or two events. It was 18 years long, and the state of California also um, participated. So, um, remember when I tell you, I will tell you the truth, but you have to believe that I'm telling you the truth. I wasn't watching guys go by and looking at their buns. I was desperately trying to fix my marriage. And and as heartbreaking as it is, now this person is dead now. And his wife is also dead. But out of those four families, I looked at all of those men like fathers. And I looked at all of those women like mothers. I had them for just a little less than a year. The first time in my life I had ever felt safe or loved. And Lonnie and I had were coming back to Northern California from Florida. Derek Prince, Bob Mumford, um, uh, I think Chuck Swindoll was there. Some of the men's names, I can't re- recall them all, but... Um, I had also eventually gone to Bob Mumford and said, I, we need marriage counseling. And when I told him what was happening, he counseled Lonnie to get out of the ministry for one year. And, um, and Lonnie said yes on the outside and no on the inside. And so he continued to bring people into our home and, um, and our marriage continued to disintegrate. 
And at that time, one of the four couples had moved to Palo Alto and was affiliated with Peninsula Bible Church, Ray Stedman's church, which was a big church. And they had a, a, a an outreach uh, attached to it. And Ted Wise, this is the first time I've ever used his name, called me on the phone and and told me uh, invited me to come over to the outreach. And that outreach um, brought me into his office and closed the door and um, began to kiss me and fondle me. And uh, there was not a complete act, but my marriage was at such a state that it broke it. And I, I never went back to... Um, uh, Peninsula Bible Church or that fellowship, but and I knew immediately that my relationship with him, with his wife, who was my dear sister, was not going to ever be the same. And now I had this secret, and I didn't know what to do with it. And um, he he did that to several other young girls, and eventually got got caught and secretly put away with a retirement. And uh, so, no, it wasn't an ongoing affair. It was, it, it's something the enemy used to break the end of it. So, I'm not going to not take responsibility because when I came back into fellowship with the Lord, I had that vision again after three months. I was, after I came back into fellowship with the Lord, I, any Christian woman I met, I said, blah, 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 blah. And then, what do you think happened? And because I was like desperate to find out how that could have possibly happened because nobody would have ever been able to convince me in those days that I would ever fall away. And um, um, then I would see their eyes glaze over like deer in headlights and I would realize, well, they don't know the backstory. They don't know because uh, uh, I was being honest with them and, and I could tell. And, uh, and uh, about three months into my return to fellowship with my Heavenly Father, I had the same vision, transportation, whatever you want to call it, with the blackness taking over. And as soon as the lights went out, the, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, do you remember this, Connie? And I said, yes, Lord, I remember this. And when it got to the place where he said, jump, and I was calling him a liar, a liar, he said, that's when you left me. So unbelief is the worst and the greatest of all the sins. And I think that's why God is going to let me tell this story, because my sin is worse than the money and worse than the other. Is because I didn't believe him when he showed up and told me to trust him. And that that vision or what whatever the heck it was, was prefaced by like two weeks of the same scripture coming to me over and over again, strive to enter into my rest. And was, we, we all we had was King James back then. And and I was so young, I wish I would have asked somebody, what do you think this means? <laughs> because after about two weeks of it, it was I actually turned to the side and spoke to the air and said, I'm working as hard as I can. I was so exhausted. And also, I was dying. My body was full of poison, and I didn't know it. And I could have died at any time, so I was really sick. And God, you know, he knew all that. He wanted to be the person to receive all the glory. We we were used by him. I thank God I was used by him, but it's not something that I 
attained to or I I ran out to to grab a hold of or anything. It, it was we were picked up and used. And that's the way it went. So, yeah, part of it's true. I came on this site looking for help when I first came. I came looking for Christians because Vince Salazar said, maybe you can get some help here, Connie, because he knew that the story was burning in my belly. And um, and um, uh, Stacy was said he would help me fix the things that weren't true on the Wikipedia, but... Um, I don't know, things deteriorated, and um, and then I lost my internet. <laughs> yeah, Wikipedia so, is a monster. Yeah, because I did read the Wikipedia, and it was so crazily off. Well, I mean, I guess one good thing, like, you know, there's tons of articles, um, you know, I guess people you have told your story to, like, I, I think God Talk was one, and some other stuff that I'm, I'm like, reading through it, and it's saying the same thing you're saying now. So, I mean, if, if people like Google Jesus Revolution, they're definitely going to find a lot of the stuff that you're saying, too, from the people oh, you're okay. talking to. I haven't gone there because, uh, first of all, a lot of people that you, you know, that you see on TV and stuff, they say the same thing. Well, I lived it, so why should I go read about it, you know? But um, I think God has also kept me from it, from going. And I've been online since, since 1989, before Google. And um, I never went looking for anything like that. So only when I went looking for some dates of things that happened, making notes and things for the future idea of putting it to paper, um, discovered these th these things. And sometimes people send that that what you read about me having an affair with my pastor makes it sound like I had an affair with Chuck Smith. But um, was sent to me by a sister in all good, in the goodness of her heart, she sent it to me. But um, no, you know, not true, not exactly. Well, that's what I was I was asking before. How many people that were actually with you are you still able to talk to? Because if I were in your shoes, and I can only vaguely imagine. The thing that would bother me so much about this is the un injustice of it, right? That there's this vast amount of people who've seen this movie who are getting this story. And then you're living over where you are out in a rural area, just living your life. And you've spent decades carrying this and dealing with it and, you know, managing the emotions from it. And, you know, and not even on a global scale, but also on a family scale, you know, your own family has been impacted by this. And, so I was wondering how many of you are able to talk to each other and just say freely and openly, what a load of crap. Like, how, why are we expected to endure this injustice at this point? You know, feel, yeah, I'm wondering if yeah, there's Jesus endured, there this, and Jesus endured this injustice because I think it's in Timothy or Titus when he's talking, he's saying, uh, you know, Jesus, uh, you know, people slandered him and and slung mud and verbal mud at him and he um he um disregarded the shame so i'm trying to disregard it and look to my heavenly father like jesus did because he he the thing that has sustained me stephanie is that he knows the truth we will all be standing before him one day and the truth will be made known. But he knows the truth about me. 
I know my heavenly father loves me. He's taken care of me so well, sister. I retired when I was 55 years old. And who can say that? Who can say they retired at 55 and didn't have to lift a finger and all my bills are taken care of? He's taken very good care of me. So I um, believe that. And God is good, right? Yeah. So, Connie, you are also fully human. <laughs> You know, I'm not trying to say that it didn't hurt and that you can hear my voice. But I'm not going to go out and defend myself. I came, though, to tell to say this to Nate, because I know that Nate will will if he's recording this and he usually does. He is. He will take what I have said and he'll put it out there. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and that's going to be good. And I I'm so honored that you've chosen to come here and tell this story. I mean, you know, I've talked about it a little bit, but I'm just so grateful. Um, I want to make sure, Connie, that on a personal level, that you have someone who's been through this with you, who is with you now, who can confirm for you that everything you're feeling is valid because they're feeling the same way. Like, do you have that person who's who's been who's been there for all of this? Oh yeah, I mean the uh, the like I said, half of the four fa- four married couples, half of them are still alive. Um, not in not in pairs. Steve and Sandy are still in pairs, and everybody else is have has lost one of their significant others. But um, and have you been able uh, to talk to them about how you feel and hear how they? Oh feel? yeah. yeah. <laughs> We talk we, when we get together. If it's just one or two of us, you know, we we talk we talk about it. You know, it's not our main topic of conversation. But um, if I was hurting, I have a place to go and and uh, to, with people who understand. As long as they're uh, still on this earth, I'll have them. And then there are others. You know, Tommy Coombs from the Love Song contacted me a couple of days ago and let me know that there was a movie coming out about the music and i'm just assuming uh chris that he's probably gotten in touch with um keith green's uh wife and uh, i'll ask him though next time i talk to him i don't know if melody is still alive i think she is well if there was anybody alive because one thing different from calvary chapel and the religious folk saved religious folk is that the this group of people are out to tell the truth and um so i would think that they would um they they i'm sure knew him personally but i'm i don't know why his name sounds familiar but i'll i will be asking him and then i'll 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 get you so you should just google keith green because that'll probably jog your memory because the only pictures of him are going to be you know, when he was your age, because like he died so young. I think he was 31 when he died. Oh, wow. Well, maybe if she had wow, a proper working be... router, Chris. <clears throat> yeah, Connie, if you, oh, there's not a way to back. I know. Can I you... hate this. Look at, I came back and look what I found. I came back the day mm. they switched us. I can't even Chris, find you guys. to me. I'll get it to Connie. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, stuff. Send it, Connie, send a mailing address. I'm sure you got like a PO box or something because you live up in the sticks. 
So send a P.O. box to Steph, and I will send you a very, very nice rock. Oh, oh honey, you don't have to do that, sweetheart. Oh, my gosh. You're kidding me. No, let him do it. He owes some people some favors recently. So. Oh! <laughs> uh, he, he owes all of us more than he can ever repay. This is where we're cashing in. <laughs> oh, Chris, brother. But seriously, Connie, also, like, if, if you can, click on the top link. It's it's to the Ask a Christian Discord. Like, since Clubhouse has taken away our ability to message people, that's yeah. kind of where the community hangs out so we can keep tabs on each other. So, uh -oh. you know, okay. if you click on that, you'll be able to connect with us. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with that, but, I mean, that's – or, I mean, you know, in the profile, there's a Ask a Christian Club at gmail.com. That's the that's – the Remember when I first this. came in your room, my picture was sideways? brother <laughs> <laughs> so i'll do the best that i can and um thank you chris that's really wonderful of you brother so yes definitely get get us where you live w would like to help your ability to connect with us more okay all right uh, you know i fell so in love with you guys i fell so in love with you because remember how excited i was at nate when i first saw you? i was like jumping up and down in my living room going oh my gosh oh my gosh there's some real christians still out there um and uh and then i lost my internet but uh that's how i feel about each one of you that i met i, I know that we're going to be eternal brothers and sisters and for that i'm grateful so we are here we for are you here. and we believe you and you never have to worry about you know saying or doing the right things around us we love having you uh, we always get so excited when you come in the room i'm glad you're in uh -huh. thank you thank you thank you So that kicked off a topic. <laughs> kicked off and concluded. <laughs> How else have you been? Oh, Connie, what's the update you guys neighbor who's been, or I don't know if she's actually. Oh my gosh, I had like five or six things happen. I got an invitation to talk to those kids. And the first thing that I did was fall on my head and split my head open and and um if it, i if i had landed any different I, I landed i twisted my arm really strange and kind of took the blow otherwise i would have probably broken my literal bone of my head open but um and i a girl that i've been loving and ministering to since she was 10 years old but she could never get off her mother was a drug addict and i tried to help her mother gave her the gospel gave them bibles uh, love them, love them, love them, love, love this girl for 40 years. And I finally told her um, <clears throat> a few months ago that I wasn't going to be able to be her friend anymore and that no hard feelings, honey, but I just, I'm getting old and I just don't have the emotional resources. And um, she went into a violent rage, like you couldn't believe. I mean, eyes bulging. She tried to, uh, she snuck onto my property the day they hooked my internet up because I have this enormous gate and um, I usually keep it locked. And um, she did climb over it with five, five strands of bob wire above the gate and she still got over it. And I had to walk her off the property. And so she just can't believe that I am not going to be taking, you know, I sent her Bibles when she went to prison. I, I would send her a, a a, a, a train ticket or a plane ticket to get home so she wouldn't have to, you know, spend her gate money 
uh, to get home. Get, and um, I've had five things like that, like huge things, all happen just before I'm supposed to go speak. So it, it, I've been under some demonic attack. It finally dawned on me that the enemy um, is, uh, you know, trying to slow me down. But this is the last thing that I have to do. If God wants me to do something, this is it. This is my exit plan. And he knows I'm ready to go home any moment. But if he has something for me to do, I'll do that. But as soon as it's done, I'm telling you, I am done with this world. And I'm looking forward to being with him. That's the truth. To live is Christ and to die is gain, Connie. But while you're here, you are blessing everyone around you. I well, I plan on telling the truth, all the all the warts and all. I'm going to tell the truth, and it's going to hurt some people. The Lord already told me the the olders, people my age, will be burying their teeth, but some of them will grab a hold of it. But the kids, the kids will grab a hold of it because they've grown up with the internet and they can spot and smell phony a mile away. And um, they're the ones that started coming and looking online, like Nate was saying, and responding to the things that they were finding out there. Because that guy from, I guess he's contacted me three times over over a few decades. I I, I didn't remember, but um, uh, they read what I said that it wasn't true, and went looking for the truth. So hopefully they found something of meaning and you know the the most thing that's the best is that you can tell the kids that that you know um i get to tell them that god can use them the same way he used us and also warn them of the pitfalls right of the religious yeast of the adulation of the crowd you know um careful with the money that kind of stuff look out for the the appetites of the flesh and um and i can tell them the, the the truth i can tell them what happened to me and you know and how god saved me twice because once you fall away just like the word says it's nearly impossible and i'm telling you the lord had to take some drastic drastic measures um and I woke up with my house, uh, the 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 roof on fire, and with the, the the airspace, the width of my head, I was on the floor sleeping in front of my fireplace. And the Lord woke me in time for me to crawl out on my belly, but I still wasn't done. I still wasn't done. So he had to send me something that would bring me to my knees. And so I married this man while I was not um, walking with God, and he literally brought me to my knees. So... Um, uh, that let, let you all that are listening, pay attention. He doesn't, he will not leave you. I have a story sometime, Nate, if you would like to hear that the, a miracle that God did in the middle of my disobedience that, that, that just verifies the fact that God will use whomever he will, whenever he will at his good pleasure. And, um, whether you're in Christ or out of Christ, he uses whom he he has his ways. And you know, there's something else that I've learned through this. We don't know everything. Isn't that what it started out? 
I'm, be, I'm so into the, the story of the garden because the whole, the whole Bible's in it. In the garden, the whole Bible is there. The, 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 the sinning, the falling away because of lies, the, 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 the hope of salvation, it's all in there. But the thing is, is we were tempted because we wanted to know everything. And some things are not my purview. He's made that perfectly clear to me. Some things are his, and we, we don't know everything. If we knew everything, we wouldn't need him. So we have to depend on him for the things that we don't know. And uh, we can't be going through life thinking that we've got it all sewed up. The only way we can keep it sewed up is if we depend on him for knowing everything. And, and he says, my sheep hear my voice. So I am planting my flag there. Uh, I'm not um, going to do anything about this book until I know he's spoken to me. This is the right person. These are the, this is the right circumstances. And then I'll begin. I've got a lot of people telling me to start. But um, it's too big of a thing for me to do on my own. And, and besides that, um, I have the story, but I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed as far as writing. I don't even know what verbs are, you know, adverbs. And I, I know what a noun is. But <laughs> I'm not kidding you when I said that I am not um, educated. So God gave me a job as a truck driver. He knew what he was doing. Anyway, I'm glad to be back. Thanks for inviting me up, Nate. Oh, of course, and we're glad you're back too. But seriously, be sure to to message me or Steph, askachristianclub at gmail.com. Okay. Like we want you to have good working internet. Finally, you know, if it had been working when when that whole thing came down, I'd have been wailing and crying and oh my gosh, I would have made it <laughs> Fool of myself. So, so maybe it was maybe it was better. You're saying that, uh, that there was a little downtime for the internet. <laughs> Nate, who has their tower removed? <laughs> now, remember, Chris, when you told me yeah. about Starlink? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I did put my hundred dollars down, brother. And guess what happened? Now, if this doesn't say that God took the, the internet tower down because of me, nothing else will. I knew it was him because I've been hanging out with him for a while. And I know a setup when I see one. And that was a setup if I'd ever seen one. And then I really understood it once the movie came out. It became perfectly clear. Well, the day that I got word from my old internet provider that his new tower was up and running and he was scheduling me to be hooked up, I got an email from Starlink saying that I was at the top of the queue and I had seven days to pay my money to get the rest of my package. So there it is. What can I say? Wow. The Lord took the internet tower down and the Lord put the internet tower back up. Back up. <laughs> Well, hey, so Connie, so you, you mentioned Chuck Swindoll and, you know, we all know, well, I don't know who we, I know in my generation that Chuck Swindoll is super famous nowadays. Was was Chuck Swindoll a pretty decent guy in all this? Yes. And and uh, somebody else that was really decent was Derek Prince and his wife, Lydia. They were they were super. I think Bob Mumford was okay, but, you know, he went off and he really destroyed some of the people in our group in California. You know, he got into 
um, he was just starting on the discipleship. That's why Lonnie and I went back there. Chuck Smith had told Lonnie that he couldn't lay hands on people to receive Jesus and the, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the front of the church, and he would have to go into a closet uh, off to the side. And uh, Lonnie was not going to stand for that and came home and told me uh, that Chuck Smith uh, was restricting him now from ministering the way that the church completely got built, the people that got saved, now all of a sudden there was a, a different set of requirements. And so uh, um, all these people were teaching at a, at a theater that kind of went, a theater in the round that kind of went um, bankrupt and got taken over uh, as a Christian college for a while a while that all these people were teaching in and they all moved temporarily to Florida. I don't think they thought it was temporary, but it wound up being temporary. And um, Lonnie and I went uh, went with them uh, for a while. So um, so did you ever attend any of Chuck Swindoll's churches or? No, uh -uh. I didn't. No, he was just like traveling with you guys and evangelizing no he wasn't traveling with us these th these men all had their own ministries i think that they were looking for a place to be a um a base you know i might have chuck swindoll i'll find out i'll get the list i don't know why i ch said chuck swindoll it might be chuck something else and i'm getting getting confused but i'll clarify that for you brother um my friend uh vince salazar um, he was a young man that we met when we got to, got to Florida and I was, would love to have him, uh, come on and, and tell some of the miraculous things that happened because he has a keen memory and of how God used these, us kids. Cause we, he, we went all over Europe, <clears throat> not because we were, uh, we didn't we didn't like say we we should go to Europe, but people from Europe were coming over and wanting to know what we were doing. And this we found hilarious too, by the way, because they wanted to know what are you guys doing? Um, because we were on the cover of Look magazine, you know, and um, and Time magazine, and um, so uh, I remember these people coming from Denmark, and they wanted to know how we were doing what we were doing and it, and it reminded both Lonnie and I of of when the people came to the apostles and wanted to know what the trick was right how are you doing what you're doing and we're going well we're um we're feeding the hungry um we're we're sharing our clothes if we if we have two coats and somebody's cold we give them one of ours and um we're providing a place for them to sleep and they would look at us like we were, then this is it. <laughs> this is what we were doing, telling them about Jesus and then um, feeding them and clothing them and loving them. And, and that's why it was so crushing when, when Greg Laurie decided to just not even call me. It, it was such a slap in the face and it was, it was really painful. It still is painful. So, um, uh, I think that's a part that's the hardest of anything that you expect your Christian brothers and sisters to at least um, be kind, even if you are struggling with maybe not liking the person. I mean, you don't go out of your way to poke them in the eye, but that was definitely a poke in the eye. And I have another story too with Greg Laurie, who I was invited to speak at a church 
uh, Calvary Chapel in, in San Clemente and show the documentary because the documentarian guy uh, ran off with the story and completely twisted it. And I was going to have an opportunity from Chuck Smith Jr. Uh, to address those uh, in his church. And, um, and Greg Laurie took over that meeting from the back of the room. And um, I had to stand up in, in the spotlight. I had to stand in the spotlight. I, you know, in, in, in these big churches now, they look like theaters. And so they have all the uh, theatrical accoutrement, you know. And um, so floodlight is now the movie's been shown and the stage is dark. And, and I walk out to stand behind the podium and the light is on me. And I can see like two rows of, of uh, shadowy figures that I know are Christians, but from there on, it's just blackness. And out of the back of the auditorium, Chuck Smith, um, Greg Laurie began to speak before I even had a, said a word and started telling how everybody in the, that was in, in earshot that he had never denied that Lonnie led him to the Lord, but he did. He denied it for decades. And I don't know why he chose that moment to make that statement but he went on and on and on about it for about 25 minutes. And I was only given 40 minutes to speak. And, um, and then there was a couple of other, you could tell they were hostile because of the tone of voice questions. And I tried to answer the question, the questions um, in truth and, 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 and loving. Um, but the arrows were coming and I said, hold on, hold on a minute. And, and I just, this is the first time I ever said this, but this is the really truth. I says, I'm not really concerned about you older folks. My concern is for the children. That's where my concern lies. So, and that was all I basically got to say because he took over. So, and, and, and from that time until the movie came out, um, I had not heard a word from Greg Laurie and for him to, and my, my name, my maiden name, my landline is a listed number. Perhaps for the very reason, I mean, that perhaps somebody might be looking for the truth and I would give it to him. So anybody who's ever gotten a hold of me, and there's plenty, I just got a call from somebody in, in England because we were there and there was a, a a move of God in England called the Festival of Lights is what started it. And we and Lonnie and I uh, and a group of young people uh, were invited to speak there. And then the move of God exploded in Denmark in a crazy way in Sweden. And, um, and uh, so it was a miraculous pick you up and move you through an event where I couldn't see how anybody could take any credit for it <laughs> because Chuck Smith obviously was a p failed pastor, um, uh, uh, 17 years of no more than 50 people. And uh, we were both, out, Lonnie and I were fodder for the darkness. We were just being, I would never would have made it to 30 years old if the Lord hadn't have saved me. And, and, um, and then, of course, you know, because of my unbelief, Lonnie died of AIDS. So, I mean, it's a it's a tragic story too. It's a it's like I said, it's a cautionary tale. Lonnie, you know, did you just say that Lonnie died because of your unbelief? Well, uh, partially. Ha what what would have happened, uh, Stephanie, if I'd have believed God when He said, "Jump, I'll catch you." I know what He was telling me. He was saying, "Stay with Lonnie. I'll fix it." Lonnie was saved out of a gay lifestyle. 
And there's things, there's things I've never told anybody about that, that I kept quiet, not, not because Lonnie was sinning, but because of how our marriage was going. You understand? He, he was only 18 years old and he was scared. He was scared. He was scared of women, but he knew that he needed to get married. We, we went for help. They could have, they could have sent us to somebody. They had the money by then. They could have gotten us some marriage counseling if Chuck hadn't wanted to do it. But to Chuck, I, I wasn't there. But there is no way that you should be caring that Lonnie died because of your unbelief. No, I'm not, fight you he, he died because of his, he died because of his own unbelief. But had I believed God at that time, things could have been drastically different. Could have, maybe. You know. Well, on that, there's no way to tell. I mean, that's like, I mean, that could be like oh, Job, right? Like, if you would have done, if you would have done everything like you thought, you know, like would have made the story change different. I mean that could have led to something else. There could have been another random person pop up in your lives that would have had the same result anyway. So there's just no way to know, like even if you think you would have done everything right, 10 more things beyond your control could have happened that would have led to the exact same result. So well, we true. just will never know that. That's right. Not until we see him and, and we know what he knows. But, um, but uh, you know, of course it's a regret, right? When God shows up and tells you to trust him and you call him a liar, well, that's a hard one to swallow. Sometimes when you, when, 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 this is part of the story, you know, don't, um, the consequences of not being obedient to the Lord God Almighty has consequences. Some of them will last until you draw your last breath. That's part of my story. That's part of the cautionary tale that I get to at least use the shit in this story to maybe save somebody else uh, from going down that road. Even in their childlike ignorance, maybe they'll hear what I'm saying and will wait on God. You know, would that I had had a friend then. Do you know Chuck Smith and Kay Smith never came into our house, never asked us who we were, never. They knew nothing about us except that their church was growing, you know, but but no, no, I wouldn't, no intimate friendship. You would think that you're the youth pastor and his wife, that you would have some kind of, uh, relationship with the pastor of the church, but we didn't. Not for not wanting to, but it wasn't available, and we didn't know. We didn't. We weren't churched. I wasn't churched. I I knew nothing about church or church people, you know. And Chuck Smith said he knew the Bible backwards and forwards, and he was a walking concordance, and he certainly was. You could ask. You could give him three words, and he'd tell you right in the Bible where it was. But he obviously didn't live it because if he was living it, he would have never put two young people in that kind of a position because the Bible warns against it. It, it, it tells, it has specific instructions actually, right? So, and, um, and to not yeah, pay it. Yeah. And that's something that he'll have to do with. And, you know, if everyone in the story is true believers, then that's also, you know, unfortunate that they did that um you know it could be very sinful and very bad but if everyone is true believers in christ then yeah, those yeah. sins are forgiven just like your yeah. sins just like my sins and we're yeah. gonna have to you know we're gonna be in heaven with them forever one day so um 
I guess on one hand, we all have regrets. We all make terrible mistakes. Um, But if we're all saved and forgiven, um, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) And if they're not, and it was all like, you know, some some plot or plan, well, then they're being judged justly for that anyways. Um, I don't have any bitterness towards Chuck because all this information, this understanding came as I grew up, you know. That understanding came at the at the time we were just busy um, spreading the gospel. <laughs> we were spreading the good news to anybody that that we could get our hands on or get near to. And um, but um, I'll get whatever the Lord sees fit on that day, and He will wipe all of our tears away from our eyes. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing Chuck and Kay and uh, Greg Laurie, and all those people uh, someday, you know, if not sooner. <laughs> I would like to see Chuck. I would love to see Greg Laurie right away. I would love to sit down and have a conversation with him. That would, I would love that, but I don't see that as um, happening. But thanks for feeling that way. You know, I'm, I'm only saying that you'll carry some regrets for the sin that you get into, regardless Absolutely. of what you get into. It, it, it can last, that, that heartache can last a long time. It doesn't destroy me. It doesn't bring me down because I have the joy of the Lord that he saved me. And if anybody should have lost their salvation, brother, it should have been me or Lonnie or a few other people I know, you know, but he didn't stop. He pursued me um, with a vengeance, I would say until I came back into the fold. I'm, I, I will be eternally grateful for that. I, I, um, I, yeah, I mean, these are tools to be used, right? Like Paul says, you know, like a, a godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation. Um, so, you know, we're definitely going to have regrets and they're still going to like cut deep. Um, but fortunately for those in Christ, these are used to, you know, remind us and it's going to lead salvation because we're, we're not going to want to do these things again. We're going to want to steer away from it and remember that regret, remember that hurt that it caused. So it's making us, you know, it's keeping us focused with Christ as the center rather than someone that just has regrets with, you know, no hope for it. Um, so, I mean, you know, it, even though it's not fun, it is still good, right? Like God disciplines those. That Absolutely. He Absolutely. I mean, you know, a comforting thought in a hundred years, we're all going to be dead and this is going to matter. <laughs> so a little, little glass half empty, but I mean, it's not wrong, right? So if someone, if someone gets uh, taken out of this world a little sooner than that, then fine. But I mean, you know, in the scheme of eternity, what's a hundred years? We're all going to be in the same place if we're in Christ. And if not, well, a hundred years wouldn't make a difference anyway. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I know that the Lord is the only person who knows the day and the hour. You know, Chuck Smith, after we left Calvary Chapel, uh, predicted the actual day of the Lord's return, I guess, more than once or twice. And, um, uh, of course, he's not going to tell us that because then we, we wouldn't be preparing. We wouldn't be anxiously awaiting. We wouldn't be looking. But... Brother, I just don't see how this world, with with the loss of uh, of uh, habitat, species, air, water, I mean, uh, and there seems to be no stopping it. No, n- nobody's good intentions seems to be enough to 
to stop the, 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 the direction it's going. And the Bible says in the last days that the earth will groan and travail over what man has done to it. So I feel I can't even watch a nature show that's tell, telling me the elephants are disappearing. It's almost more than I can bear. So I don't even watch them anymore. And I used to love to watch that kind of stuff. And, you know, we're having a bit of a, a raffle. Um, well, we know better. But someone's uh, actually predicting tonight at midnight, or like, you know, <laughs> one minute after 1159, uh, will be the rapture. So, oh, um, good to know. <laughs> yeah, so so we're like, well, wait, was that 1159 last night? Or is that 1201 tonight? It's like, I don't know. Did we miss it? But, I mean, when you have people that do things like that, it's like, what is maybe literally possessing them? Like, it's so clear, no one knows the day or the hour. So what what are you doing? Like, do you not know? Do you not care? Are you taking advantage of people that never read the Bible? Like, are you trying to get a collection and then skip town? Um, well, like, I, I, I honestly don't know. But yeah, we, we just saw one of those it's today. staggering so is the word, Nate. And I see, <laughs> it, you, you feel like me. It's staggering. <laughs> I, I think befuddled. Is, the, is that the right word? Like, I just don't, I don't know what to say. Um, but it's like glaring ignorance or incompetence or evil intentions. I don't know. But I mean, you know, false teacher run. Yeah, um, I think part of it has to do with when you let sin into your life. So when people are doing or are that far off sinner, um, I, I, I'm beginning to think that there might be something going on in the background, right? That's hidden in his life or her life, um, you know. Um, that's what gets people is the things of the world, the enti enticing, the enticement of the world. But 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 that comes because of other th other spiritual problems like me. It wasn't believing God when he showed up. Right. For Chuck Smith. I mean, he was spending that money uh, like nobody's business. It, it wasn't. We didn't even think about it. A new Mercedes, a new house in Newport Beach. Well, Newport Beach is one of the most expensive places to live in the United States of America. It's expensive. I mean, um, John Wayne lived on Lido Isle, which is over a little bridge from Newport Beach. It was the hobnobbiest of places. And um, <laughs> yeah. well, one thing is, I mean, the enticement of this world is becoming glaringly much 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 less so i i mean I, I really think this is kind of like you know how how you know where jesus comes to divide like you know mother against son and all, all the people like husband against wife and sister against brother all, all this stuff like it seems like that that is getting more and more stark yeah so it's like the enticement of the world really you, you don't just have like you know the i don't know the american dream the upper middle class anymore like you know like i, I want to have like a nice nice BMW or, you know, like what, what would you normal say is just like happy, comfortable. Like you can, you can go through life in a daze. It's either like hyper wealth, power, greed, like bordering on like sociopathic, like just insane type wealth and like worldly possessions. Um, or it's like, you have to just reject all of that because the, the middle ground is, is being, is uh, being disappeared. Like even, even against our will. <laughs> so, so no, it's just I, like things I, are I happening in this it. world. Yeah. So it's like you I either have to align yourself with like extreme greed, power, corruption, like the most unholy version of getting wealth and possessions of the world. Or you have to say, forget it all. I don't want any part of that because I can't just I can't have half of that. It's like if I have half of that and just want to like achieve a comfortable, cushy lifestyle, 
it's like, well, now it you see the strings that it comes attached with more and more at like okay. a really messed up level. So the alternative is to, if you don't want to align with that, you better just like focus on the gospel, focus on Jesus and whatever happens, you stick there. Um, because like the middle ground is disappearing. So like kind of like the lukewarm stuff, like, you know, if you're lukewarm, Jesus will spit you out of, your, spit you out of his mouth. It's like, yeah. pick a side. So it's like the sides are more and more becoming clear. So, yeah. so people are having to jump out of the middle ground and it's like jump further away from God or jump closer to God, but you, you can't stay where you are. Right. I see it too, just like that. It's becoming uh, the, the stark relief, the light against the uh, backdrop of the darkness is really, woo, you know, and um, I love the 10 virgins, right? Keeping your lamp full of oil and your wick trimmed. Well, you do a good job, Native, helping us with the wick trimming job, I have to say. That's one of the reasons why I like this room. But um, anyway, uh, it is true that uh, the darkness is presenting in a way. I've been around a lot of Christians I've met just recently that have some of the most outlandish uh, extra beliefs going on outside of the, just the good news of the gospel Part of my message has been, if it's not in the Word of God, don't make it a part of the spiritual discussion or part of your gospel message. Um, if it, it's not like you can't be the smartest girl in the room and the dumbest girl in the room. So, you know, uh, this is what I actually got that from the Lord speaking to me and showing me something. And what he was showing me is that you... Um, if you want to be the dumbest girl in the room uh, to manipulate people, and then when somebody comes and brings you what they think that you need to fix your problem, then you become the smartest girl in the room because that's not what you wanted. And so you put up all these, other, and I'm not speaking of myself, but some people that I've been ministering to. And then the Lord goes, look, smartest girl in the room, dumbest girl in the room. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. But if it's not, it's either the Bible is the word of God and it's our guideline. Uh, the Holy Spirit uses us, uses it to enhance our ability to hear him. That's the only thing it's good for, is that it's good for us to be able to recognize the Holy Spirit when he shows up because it lines up. So if it's not in there, it's not like God made a mistake and forgot about it, right? And yeah, if it, I think that's good advice. If the Bible is silent, we should probably be silent. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's how that's that's where I've gotten to because of what you just said about this, uh, the relief of the darkness against the light. Some things are his purview. And he actually pulled me up real short because um, he showed me a picture of myself actually going down the road with my arm locked in the arm of the enemy. And I had slipped my feet in his shoes. And he said, isn't that what got him kicked out of heaven was trying to do my job? <laughs> and I'm telling you, my my knees went jello. I had to reach out and grab the corner of my house when he showed me that I was in league with the enemy because uh, it sounded right and looked right, but it wasn't right. He told me I was at the wrong door with the wrong message, you know, and I had just recently been arrested for blocking an abortion clinic door and was uh, was uh, going over it in my head. And he told me I was at the wrong door with the wrong message and that I was trying to do his job. And isn't that what got him kicked out of I almost went down because it was such it was so flabbergasted me. And then he began to show me, why are you making this a part of the, the gospel? 
it just muddies the water. And Paul said, look at Nobody can speak perfectly, not even me, he said. I've gotten in, he's older now, and he's saying, I think I'm just going to stick with Christ crucified, at least, you know, and and and, and that's where I'm getting, Christ crucified. Um, I'm yeah, around, you know, go ahead. I, I, I completely agree with you, because, I mean, I don't want to say something unbiblical. Like, you know, Paul says, you know, why aren't you on the meat of the word? Like, why aren't you, like, going deeper in the word, which we should do, but I mean, I think for most of the people, there are so many just like, like messed up, like what we're saying, like things that aren't in the Bible that they're acting as if it was, um, you know, like somewhere between predicting the rapture, rapture, um, how, how painful is the scorpion sting going to be in the tribulation? It's yes. going to be bad. Okay. Stay away from it. So forget <laughs> it. It doesn't matter. Like it, it doesn't matter if it's a, a little bad or a lot bad. It's going to be bad. Stay away. So it's like, you know, return to the milk of the word, start over, yes. and stay, like stay at the cross, stay at the gospel. Right. The first thing you are supposed to learn is the most important thing you learn. So once you fully grasp that, the gospel message, then take one step out into like, I don't know, you know, finer points of doctrine or secondary issues. Sure. Any time that causes a hiccup, any time you're not sure if that lines up with the Bible, turn around and run back to the cross and start over. Like, do that as many times as it takes. Exactly. If you're a little slower fleshing out the doctrine of the Trinity, if you're a little slower deciding on predestination or determinism, forget it. That's not going to save you. Run that's back right. to the cross. <laughs> just That's like home base. Like, return there often and, and stay close by. Um, you know, and I, <laughs> it's great, though, when you find that God is talking, saying the same things to his kids all over the place. That lets you know that he's... He's moving amongst his people. He's pulling us away from the world and calling us out. He said, come out from among them and be separate. We're not supposed to look like them. We're not supposed to act like them. I was telling my girlfriend the other day, you know what? If, if all the Christians that were married were living the, the doctrine of Jesus's uh, description of what marriage should be, the world would be, all the women in the world would be saying, I want some of that, you know? But we've gotten, over time, so closely aligned. Our churches function like corporations. You know, it's just, but, you know, we could be like Ukraine. It might even happen here sooner than we think. And I'll guarantee you, there's no, there's no Catholics, Protestants, <laughs> uh, Calvins. <laughs> I mean, there, there's just Christians helping Christians in Ukraine right now. Uh, all of that yeah, stuff yeah. is falling yeah, away. If, if Christians are being persecuted, like the ones doing the persecuting aren't going to care if someone's like, no, no, they're Catholic and I'm a Calvinist. Great. <laughs> both of you are like, both of you are going to be persecuted equally. Like they're not going to care. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> it's like I'm Eastern Orthodox. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they'll, they'll feed them the lions first. I don't know. But I mean, yeah, they're not, they're not going to be Wouldn't they be, be like, tempted to torture the uh, Calvinists first because they would say that it must be what happens to them anyway. <laughs> Again, that may be a point you make, but the people are, are not going to care. They're like, yeah. Who calls Jesus Lord? You, 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 great. You're right. all persecuted. Exactly. Exactly. And if you're being the, uh, the persecuted, uh, you're not running around when somebody tells you that they're a brother or sister, you're not going to go, well, are you a Calvin? <laughs> are you a Catholic? If you're a Catholic, I'll help you. But if you're a Calvin, I don't think so. That's not happening in Ukraine right now. You know, it's not um, for us Christians. It's not every man for himself. It's we're looking out for our brothers, and of course, our faith is going to 
explode under persecution because that's um, God's not into it, but he it's a useful it, he finds use in it for sure. Well, let me uh, let me give you a conspiracy theory <laughs> real quick. Oh, good. Um, Another which, one. I, mean, at the, I mean, at this point, it's probably just like regular news. Um, but but then I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to run. I have somewhere to to go. But I, I, I enjoy this talk so much. This has been great. And and please oh. please please send send me or Steph an email. Like we want to we, we want to get you hooked up with the internet um, oh. better. But um, and, and all thanks, Chris. Hail Chris. Anyways, <laughs> um, but before I go. I really think like, you know, how much of what I'm about to say is true. I believe a certain amount of it is how much I have no idea, right. but it's just my hunch that, you know, as, as the kind of d dividing lines are being formed, like, you know, the, the Christians, the people who know there's something there are being like, and maybe even if they don't know it's Jesus, kind of like a Romans one knowledge, they're gravitating more and more towards uh, something that if they keep going is going to lead them to Jesus. The other people who they would say they are too far gone, um, either like they're, they're demon possessed or they, they believe there's a God, uh, but they, they feel like they've already like, you know, renounced him or, you know, done whatever they need to do to align with Satan, uh, believing in a theistic actual Satan um, to try to like steal some sort of, of either place of honor, or they know that they're, they're completely screwed either way. So I think like that side, like maybe, you know, the like secret societies that control the world or whatever, uh -huh. but whoever like the, the actual like leading people are in this globe, um, I think is kind of like a battle in their minds between like, you know, rushing, even at the cost of billions of lives or destroying this planet to push this transhumanism movement uh -huh. so they can hurry and like upload their consciousness into some sort of machine and then figure out a way to like planet hop, like go to Mars when the earth is going to, you know, billions right. of years away. Like it's giving them time because they know this planet's going to expire at some point. Mm -hmm. But if they see it as infinitely existing, they're trying to hurry up and become gods in their mind, or at least be become ever living because they, they believe that they've already burnt all the bridges with God. And if they die, their eternal destination is hell. And they really believe that. So they don't want that to be true. So their idea is just to not die. So, so they're trying to race against the clock to continue existing through AI, through robots, so like upload themselves to the, you know, to the singularity, or whatever, and then they'll just planet hop and worm yeah. through space. And, get, and check this out. They're, they're, they probably will get to a place where there will be a, a facsimile of that because we're all speaking English. All these people on this site and all over the world, English is the main language. And that's what God used to slow everything down was uh, at the Tower of Babel. So whatever they have in their minds that they can accomplish because of this communication that we have at, at this age, age and time. But we have the Holy Spirit and they don't. And that's the difference. That's all the difference. And it's the only difference that we need. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think like, there, and there's a whole plethora of other reason things are going, you know, maybe to hell in a handbasket. But I think, you know, among like the people who are like in the know and like pulling the strings, I, I think that's kind of like the forefront of their mind is to preserve their own lives at any cost. So right. if that means, if that means anything else, and then you have like, you know, the people who are much, much lower down that don't have the thought of that. They're just thinking, I can, you know, fudge budgets to get more money. I can get more natural greed. Sure, I'm going to die someday. Maybe there's a God. Like, these people are just useful idiots, so they have no idea what's going on. Um, so starting wars, profiting, getting money, like, all that's, like, that, I mean, that's what that's what's on the news. Yeah. But I, I think for the people above that, yeah, they're trying to, like, run the clock out on God 
uh, so they can never die. Um, I just, you know, it's not going to work out how they hope. But anyway, so I'll leave you with that uh, <laughs> conspiracy theory. So, so stay tuned. I'm sure tomorrow it'll be like, hey, proven fact. We found the interview with the globalists. They all think blah, 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 blah. Anyway, Connie, it was great to God talk you, to girl. you. I'll, t I'll catch up with you guys later. God bless. All right, everyone else. Have an awesome day. See you later.